Well, well, well. If it isn't me, Paulie from Rat Depot here. Um, back with a, a slightly late um, letter, uh, and I'm going to be narrating it for you. It's called Rat to E4. So, just a little note before we begin. We actually passed over 100 readers this week, which is quite fucking lovely, in my opinion. Um, thank you to everyone who's been reading it week in, week out, and a very, very warm welcome to those who have joined us recently. Rat Depot is free to read and relies on word of mouth to grow. So if you enjoy anything you read or hear, please consider sharing it with your friends. It doesn't cost a single penny to do. It means the world to me and the people who collaborate with me that are sharing their work with you. Thank you for being here, seriously. I think this is the most people that have regularly read my work since I started writing. Um, and yeah, that feels really, really good. So thank you. I do also have a question for you at the end of this letter, so stay tuned. If you frequent Instagram or TikTok videos, you may have recently been the victim of some really badass funk edits of chess games. The funkification of anything remotely cool in short-form video content is a plague, one that I am infected with. I recently went to the gym and caved, throwing on a funk playlist to see what the vibe was. Within minutes, I was benching a rowing machine, auditing my finances in my head, and writing this letter. Since the release of The Queen's Gambit 2020, chess has seen a massive resurgence in popularity, both from people wanting to play and to watch. Twitch streaming chess players have become micro-celebrities with far more reach than ever before. Twitch streamers who traditionally made other content have also turned to the game, including people like Charlie White, who beat fellow streamer XQC, a short-lived mentee of none other than chess grandmaster Hikaru Nakamura. Needless to say, chess has become a bit of a media melting pot, from sexy TV depictions to high-profile Twitch tournaments to even the humble chess funk edit of a knight doing cool L-shaped horsery. But even before Anya Taylor-Joy taught people how sexy chess could be, chess was sexy. Let's explore chess in a variety of forms, and then everyone can challenge me on chess.com and ruin my elo. As established in a previous letter, Pixar, especially early Pixar, rips. One iconic Pixar short which has perhaps been shelved in the archives of our brains is Jerry's Game from 1998. Directed by Jan Pinkava, who would go on to co-direct and co-write Ratatouille in 2007, the five-minute short won the Academy Award for Best Short Film. The eponymous Jerry, an adorable old man, takes approximately five minutes to play chess with himself in a leafy liminal park, slowly tottering from each chair in order to play each turn. In either chair, Jerry's mannerisms change. One Jerry plays his move quickly and has a youthful arrogance, while the other takes time to put his glasses back on so he can see the board weighing up the moves with more scrutiny. As glasses Jerry proceeds to get his wrinkly cheeks clapped by youthful Jerry, the older gent fakes a heart attack in order to switch the board around, thus defeating himself. Jerry then hands over a pair of dentures, presumably the winner's prize. Jerry puts the dentures in and grins to himself. Jerry was inspired by Jan Pinkava's own family, namely his grandfather, who was renowned for playing chess by himself for hours. What I love about Jerry's game is that it's not a more conventional depiction of chess as a competitive tete-a-tete uh, -tete that can be emotionally loaded in many different ways. Instead, it's a silly hobby for an older man who finds company by looking inward. But... As AI continues to progress at a frightening rate, they can do hands now, and we wrestle with what we want AI to do for us, besides its role as a tool of the state, we can look back at one of the original AI bad bitches, HAL 9000. In Kubrick's iconic sci-fi epic 2001 A Space Odyssey from 1968, 
astronaut Frank Poole challenges Hal to a game of chess. Poole resigns after Hal suggests a route to checkmate that Poole had supposedly missed. But get this, reader. The moves that Hal lays out actually do not force checkmate. Poole's trust in the computer pushes him to resign rather than critically analyse Hal's predictions. How weird. I'm sure this deliberate dishonesty from Hal is not an omen of things to come. <laughs> the game that plays out between the two was actually based on a real tournament game played between Roche and Willy Schlager um, in Hamburg 1910. You can click through to the link there and you can see the game play out turn by turn, accompanied by comments, uh, sorry, a comment section full of nerds giving loads of really cool info, actually. Hal versus Pool is an early example of a chess computer something built to be difficult to a specific level. In the 2001 novel, it's explained that Hal is designed to lose 50% of its games against human opposition as a way of maintaining morale aboard the ship. In 2023, you can hop onto the chess.com app and play against an AI representation of Jane Goodall, who has been programmed to be dog shit at chess, while the AI Malala Yousafzai um, has been railing me for days now. How 9000 actually had a long-term cultural impact on chess AI. The first computer to win a chess game in real life was the Deep Blue computer, which eventually bested world champion Garry Kasparov in 1997. Murray Campbell, one of the team who helped make Deep Blue, contributed an article to a book the year prior titled An Enjoyable Game, How Hal Plays Chess. Here, Campbell argued that Hal played moves that were more human than Deep Blue, which is designed to fuck you all the way up. It's nice to know that prior to murdering a bunch of people, Hal took it easy on us. Born in 1532 in Cremona, Italy, Sofonisba Anguissola was a Renaissance painter of noble lineage, a court painter to King Philip of, uh, II of Spain, and a woman. Gasp! As a contemporary of Michelangelo and the other turtles, Sofonisba produced beautiful portraits of herself and her family before moving to the Spanish court to make fairly boring formal stuff of boring formal people get that bag though queen Sophonisba produced the game of chess in 1555 which you can see below what I love about this painting is the joyful dynamics between the three siblings the older sister has a triumphant half smirk as she does a no look 360 no scope on the board the middle child on the right looks suitably pissed and pale to be honest go outside hon touch some grass while the youngest giggles in the middle enjoying the dynamics of the game and seeing her siblings fight by proxy. An older woman who looks like a housemaid, who were known to act as surrogate mothers and primary carers to medieval nobility, looks in on them. This intergenerational enjoyment of the game is lovely to see. My family do not look like this when I destroy them at Scrabble, let me tell you. But there's more to this. It might be stating the obvious to say chess wasn't considered a quote woman's game back in the day. A woman painter painting women playing chess I would imagine it made some Italian gammons sweat back in the day. Believe it or not, the queen piece on the chessboard was not always the most important piece. Prior to the 15th century, the queen could only move two spaces at once, and at some stage, only one space like the king piece. The upgrade to the sexy, overpowered piece we know today, that can move to any space on the board in any direction, actually coincided with the monarchy of a certain queen. Queen Isabella I of Spain! Isabella's reign coincided with and promoted this change, with most chess historians agreeing that the rule shifted somewhere between 1470 and 1480, the decade Isabella came to power. In 1559, just four years after Sophonisba painted 
the game of chess, she was recruited by amateur painter and Spanish queen Elizabeth of Valois to mentor her in Madrid. And so, this talented member of lower Italian nobility went from painting a chess game played by women to mentoring the queen of the very country that had had such an influence on the board we know today. The layers, it's, it's so meta, like a Spanish onion. Next up, we have One Night in Bangkok. So, watch the video. Trust me. Trust me, just click on the video. I'll wait. Now, you didn't expect to be watching a video courtesy of Chess Vivo tonight, did you? I absolutely promise you that the first 39 seconds of this do not even remotely prepare you for what's next. Produced for Chess, the musical, a production that was intended to act as a metaphor for the Cold War through the prism of the rivalry between great American and Soviet chess players. This music video is, well, it's very 80s, quite orientalist, and produced by Benny and Bjorn from ABBA. Some of the music is in fact offcuts from unreleased ABBA music, which makes sense, it's like shit ABBA. But what an interesting combination of things, a weirdly horny, orientalist Cold War musical about chess scored by two of the most iconic pop musicians ever. Despite the fact chess has rarely left the stage since its release in 1984, it's usually reviewed as being quite average, even despite the UK-based man titties and leather you can see above. Sort of reminds me of this for some reason. Check out the link. The concept album for the show, which was released to help raise funds for the original production, fares better in the history books and the charts, so maybe take a look, um, or don't. I probably won't ever again. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you for reading. I'm sorry there was no letter last week. I had a really, really busy week at work uh, with a couple of events and a work trip and was feeling pretty tired, um, but we're back and there's some groovy stuff in the pipeline, so stay tuned. Um, but one final question for you. At the moment, Rap Depot has a Discord community, which is ready for more members and has the potential to be a super fun and useful place for creators and readers to meet and collaborate. But I also think it's a very formal, organised space. I was thinking a WhatsApp group or some form of chat would be cool for people to hang out in that isn't so regimented. What do people think? The Discord will continue to exist and I have plans for it down the road when more of you join, which you can do here by the link. But I also think a WhatsApp might be more engaging for people who've never used Discord and maybe never planned to. Feel free to let me know your thoughts here. Anonymously, I've included a poll. Until next time, eat your veggies and get some sleep. Love, Paulie.